0: Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. We are in the book of John, and today we get to chapters 13 and 14. So this begins the last night of Jesus's life. And for me personally, these are my favorite two chapters I've read yet. So this is some really good stuff. Can't wait to dive in with y'all. Hey, everybody, we are back with John chapters 13 and 14.
1: I was going to try and say what what week we were on for John, but I honestly have no idea. (laughs) Who even knows at this point? (laughs) We're just
0: chugging along through the book of John. It's been great. Honestly, here's an encouragement. I was driving yesterday and the day before too, and both times I decided to pull up my Bible app and have it read to me these chapters. And the guy that reads it, his voice is so nice. And (laughs) I checked the time. It took me 10 minutes for them to read me all of 13 and 14. John 13 through 17 is the last night of Jesus's life. So we're talking about one night Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: he knows he's going to the cross and he's talking to his disciples and telling them the last things that he's going to tell them.
1: Yeah, We were talking about, okay, what sections do we want to read from 13 and 14? And we kept being like, all of it. Like, it's all so good. Yeah. If you knew you were about to die, the the words that you would say would be really important. And so we don't want to just like shuffle through these. Like, we want y'all to hear those words.
0: Yeah, so today I'm going to talk us through 13. Ana's going to talk us through 14. So if you'll remember last week... Um, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He knew that as soon as he did that, he was going to be on a ticking clock until it was time for him to die. And we also talked a little bit about how Mary washed Jesus's feet with perfume. And so we're actually moving into another instance of a foot washing, but this time Jesus hmm. is washing the disciples feet. So here's what we know. It's finally Passover and this is their third Passover that they've had with Jesus, at least, or the third one that they talk about. And Passover is a celebration. So it's commemorating and celebrating the Jews being freed from being slaves in Egypt.
1: Specifically, it's celebrating um, when the... Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and the seven plagues I think it was seven plagues came the last one was God had told them take the blood of a of a lamb and put it around your door and if there's the if the blood of the lamb is on your door I I will pass over like I won't I won't pass over your firstborn and your firstborn son and so the Lord spared the Israelites he passed over their house he didn't come in because the blood of the lamb was there and the blood of the lamb protected them, which is really cool because Jesus is about to die for us and he is during Passover, the lamb. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh that's my God. So hard, but also really cool because Jesus is ultimately like the final sacrifice. He's the final lamb that had to die for our sins.
0: That is so and cool.
1: His blood is on us protecting us.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Jesus knew the plan from the very beginning yeah. which is just so crazy. But um yeah, so basically it's Passover so they know that they're going to have a Passover meal and Jesus says to the disciples, you know, he basically invites them to this house and they go to the upper room and start to have the Passover meal together and, and They don't know this, but Jesus knows this is their last meal together. And he goes into a conversation with them that is, it's going to span the next several chapters and it's so good. And here's what I actually learned about this. Jesus had four major discourses in the gospels and Mm -hmm. this one is the longest one. And this is him speaking to his best friends. Like we talked about this last week, but his public ministry is over. So mm-hmm. he has nothing else to say to the world, but he has this important stuff to say to his disciples. And that's important to us because we are Jesus's disciples. Like we're his followers now. So what he has to say to them is it applies to us too.
1: Right.
0: Um. I want to read you my six bullet points that I wrote, that I took away from this. Bullet point number one. God with all his power chooses to serve. Um, number two, confessing our sins is drawing near to God and letting him cleanse us. Number three, God is always on time. Hmm. Number four, which disciple are you? I like (laughs) wrote down four different disciples and I was like, this is their vibe. And so we can talk about which one we feel like we are. Um, number five, the church needs servants. How can we wash feet this week? And number six, happiness equals humility. So, I mean, this is a really big chapter and to hit that first bullet point, he is God and he has all of the power of God. But the thing that he chooses to do is sacrifice his life and he chooses to like love and serve his friends. He's never making much of his own name. He's always serving and giving and loving. So I'm going to start chapter 13, verse one, and we're just going to kind of read on and off here. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you'll understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was about to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. So I'm going to stop there. That's verse 11. So basically what we're talking about here is, you know, you think about they walked everywhere and they're walking in sandals. So their feet are super nasty. And it would have been like the normal thing to do when you enter somebody's house to have a servant wash everyone's feet. And one of the sermons I listened to said that if you didn't have a servant, because some people obviously didn't. Um, then you would either wash each other's feet or you might wash your own feet, but either way, the feet are super nasty. And so somebody has to wash them off and like dusty, like it's, it's super gross. And we also talked last week about, um, the table that they would have been at
1: for the feast.
0: Yeah. The reclining table. And I looked that up. I, I realized it's called a triclinium their custom was if you share a meal with somebody it's so it's intimate and sacred like you're becoming part of that person because the bread that you both eat you eat the same bread it becomes part of your body it's like you're becoming part of one another and that's Actually, why in Matthew, Mark and Luke, it talks about Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. And that's why the Pharisees would have been mad about that because eating with people is sacred. Anyway, so I think that the cool thing is this is the verse I want to highlight. Verse three, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, Hmm. rose from supper. And obviously he was choosing to wash their feet. Him being God, having all the power in the world and choosing to serve the ones that he loves is really, really powerful. And we'll actually get back to that and talk more about what exactly that means. That image that he sort of paints for us by serving them. But now I want to talk about Peter. Simon Peter and this little interaction that he has with Jesus where he sort of annoyingly says, No, you can't wash my feet, because I think what Jesus says back to him is really important.
1: He almost seems kind of childlike yeah. in a way. But I don't I don't know. Like it could just be the way that he's written about,
0: but That's true. It, it could be that too. Hot or cold. He's like, definitely, he just
1: seems very hot or cold.
0: Yeah, he's very, very passionate. And he's basically saying, No, you are my Lord, and I don't want you to wash my feet because I don't want you to serve me. I want to serve you,
1: which is fair. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Like
0: very fair. And then Jesus says, and I like this a lot. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you'll have no share with me. And then he says, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed. So like cleaned your whole body does not need to wash except for his feet but it's completely clean and so the thing that stands out to me about this is that i don't know if you guys have ever wondered like am i saved because like the spiritual correlation that he's Mm -hmm. drawing here is basically like once you're saved and once you're like you've believed in jesus you are saved but you're walking in this world and your feet might pick up dirt. And so he's saying literally like how when you've already taken a shower, you don't need to take a full shower again. When you get to dinner, you just need to wash your feet. Spiritually, once you've been saved and once you've believed in Jesus, you don't have to be saved again and again. You can just, you know, you might need just to wash your feet by confessing your sins and being with him. So that was the number two bullet point that I wrote down, like that confessing our sins is part of being close to God because it's admitting our need for him. He's not like shaming us about our sins, but it is something very important to keep that awareness that we need him and that like we still need our feet washed. <laughs> you know right. what I mean?
1: It's almost like in a way it's kind of, it's a little bit reassuring. Yeah. to know like we've we have been washed by the blood of Christ. But that doesn't mean like all right, we're good.
0: Right. We we got to like, keep walking in this world and we got to keep walking with him and bring in like all of ourself back to him and exactly. be like okay i love the picture of it yeah. because it's like a relationship but from first john one this is verse eight through nine it says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so i love that because it's like you know if we pretend like we don't have any sin. And we pretend like we never have a reason to confess it again. We're basically saying that we don't need Jesus. <laughs> so it is really right. important to keep bringing ourselves to Him, and like keep letting Him cleanse us. So and
1: just recognizing our place. Like if the if the disciples had walked in and been like, our feet aren't dirty. They don't need to be washed. Like they would be ignoring their actual state. Right. Of having dirty feet. Exactly. Like, their feet are dirty. They needed to be washed. And that's the same thing for us. Like our our hearts are naturally sinful. Like we, we need Jesus to wash us.
0: Yeah. It's not like a one-time interaction. He really does want to continue to show us himself and like show us not only our need for him, but that he's there for us when we need him, you know? Um, I'm going to pick up reading at verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's through 17. And I actually think that was the thing that I thought about most after reading 13 and 14. Like, I really want to pull this out because the word blessed right there, it's basically like happy, like truly, truly Mm. happy. And he's saying, if you know these things, you'll actually be happy if you do them. And I think a lot of us settle for just knowing things rather than doing them. He's saying, you will actually be happy if you serve and love one another. And so that's like his ultimate call for us is to serve and love. And it's so hard to do. Obviously, it's hard to love the way that Jesus loved us and loved people. But he's saying, if you do, if you keep coming to me, keep letting me wash your feet. And love and serve others. You will truly be happy. So I really, Hmm. I've been thinking about that so much. Like we've talked about this once before on the podcast, but a lot of people have had a bad experience with church. And I think it's because we don't take this to heart. And so, you know, even if just the people who listen to this podcast and like the girls that are going to As you are Bible studies, even if we just took this really seriously of like loving and serving other people is so important. Like, how can we pray for people? How can we forgive people? How can we serve people? How can we show up for people? I think people would start experiencing so much more of what Jesus actually wanted them to experience of Him and that we would too, you know? Part of the reason why serving other people.
1: Like, I feel like why Jesus highlights that is it takes the eyes off of ourself. And like, we, yeah. our culture is so self-focused. Like, it's all about like, what are you doing to better yourself? What are you doing to get ahead? Or like, if you're walking through something hard, most of the time you're just focusing on yourself. But when we lift our heads up I always think about Catherine Wolf. Oh yeah, the navel gazing. Navel gazing, Yeah. <laughs> and Catherine Wolf is an amazing speaker and author. Um, they have a ministry called Hope Heals, but she in one of her talks will talk about navel gazing, which is literally like staring at our own belly buttons. Yeah. Think about that. When you're staring at your own belly button, you see nothing else except for yourself. And so when we are able to stop doing that and lift our heads up, and see the needs of the people around us like one more often than not we see oh our lives are actually like pretty good like yeah when we're able to look up and look around and see what need can I fill it take like it it takes away the self-pity but it also gives you a purpose in a way
0: it connects us with each other
1: And it connects us
0: with Jesus because that was what he was all about.
1: Right. We have a purpose to fill. And like, I think that's like part of why serving is so important is not, it's not to like
0: do enough, not to earn your way, get you a better place
1: in heaven or like, yeah, it's not that it's not that it's, it allows us to live in community with others and to love other people and to stop being so focused on ourselves.
0: Yep. I completely agree. I'm going to pick up at verse 18 and talk about kind of the next bullet point. So he just said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. But then he says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, Hmm. but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does, you may believe that I am he. Truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of the disciples whom Jesus loved, which we know is John, was reclining at table at Jesus's side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I've dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Hmm. So I'm going to stop right there for a second, because this feels like it could be on an episode of some reality TV show where they're like the 12 best friends with their teacher and they're all sitting around. And then all of a sudden the teacher is like, I'm telling you this so that when it happens, you'll know that I already knew. But someone's about to betray hmm. me. And then they're like, psst, 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 who's going to betray Who me? Who is it? Who is it? Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to dip this bread and. He said, whoever I give this bread to is the person that's about to betray me. He, like, turns around and gives that bread gives to, Judas to Judas and then says, go do what you're going to do. And Judas goes. It's so crazy. He's probably negotiated himself a deal for giving up Jesus, and he's thinking, this will be the perfect time. We'll all be together. It'll be whatever. And I'll just sneak out and go pretend to prepare for the the Passover meal.
1: And they won't know. And they won't
0: know. And then I will turn him in. But Jesus is saying, Hey, I know everything. I know you're doing this. Not only are you doing this, but like, it's going to be part of fulfilling my plan. And so I don't know if I don't know if you've ever been like kind of in the middle of something that seems bad or hard or weird or like, unanswered questions or whatever. I think we all have, and I definitely have questioned whether or not God was there in moments like that. Definitely. But it's very reassuring to think that God is always on time. And if we can like learn to trust his timing and learn to trust him and love him before we love answers, then I think we'll see that mm-hmm. everything plays out how it should And we might even enjoy life better. I think that's part of the reason why Jesus is always saying, don't be anxious. And then even the first verse of chapter 14, which we'll get to in a second, let not your hearts be troubled. That's like a commandment to them. He's like, stop being anxious because I know what I'm doing. And if you believe in me, then you can have that peace too. Um, Are you ready for my, (laughs) my disciples quiz? Did you actually make a quiz? Which disciple no, are No, but you? we should. <laughs> okay. Peter's Mr. Spiritual. Okay. So he has these bold acts that are actually more disobedient than spiritual because he thinks he knows better than God. We've all felt that way. Like, have you ever thought that you knew better than God? All of us have. Like, oh, yeah. especially like, think about this. Like when you're in a situation and you're praying for specific outcomes rather than like Like you're praying for God to do something for you rather than asking God what he's doing and how you can partner with Mm -hmm. him, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very convicting. And the older I get, I'm like, man, I should stop thinking that if God doesn't answer my prayers, it's because he's not there. It's really because I'm like talking to him about something that he's not working on right now and he still loves me, but he's like, wait and see.
1: Or he's working on it in a way that we can't
0: see. Right. Yeah, like, I think about the way he talks to Peter, because he's like, I need to wash your feet. And he's like, no. And then he's like, I have to, or you are not going to be with me. And he's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, then, like, wash my whole body. Then Jesus is like, no, just listen to me. You're good. I just need to wash your feet. And it's almost like he's so bound and determined to be the best disciple or like the most spiritual that he's kind of missing listening to Jesus. Okay. So yeah, there's, that's true. There's Mr. Spiritual. Um, Thomas Mr. Spiritual. is Miss, is Mr. Doubt, <laughs> Mr. Questions. doubt. It's Thomas. so funny. Yeah. He asks so many questions. He's always like, but why, but where, but and he asks all the obvious questions and he's unsure and needs to be convinced. So, the cool thing is once Thomas is convinced, like after Jesus's death, he makes a huge impact. Like he really spreads the gospel and he's amazing. But first of all, none of them are bad. They are all great. It's just these little personality right. quirks that are like, I can relate. I can relate. It's also Um, cool because it
1: just shows, like, there's so many different personalities and different people following Jesus. I know. know. Like, it's, they're not all the same. They're not all CEOs of a company. Like, they're all just a ragtag group of people.
0: Yeah, and and Jesus loved them. Like, it literally says in the first verse how much Jesus loved them, and he wanted to show them by serving them. I mean, he, like, adored them, so it's not to say that any of these are bad qualities. It's like, these are so human nature. And then I have Judas. He's Mr. Self-righteous. He's stealing from the money bag, but acting like the most spiritual of all. And he's two faced and kind of self-serving. And I feel like all of us can be that way too. Like we talked about this a little bit last week, like the, our like nature is to be sinful. And so We could be pulled in that direction so easily if we don't do what we're talking about, like continually bring our sin to God, like let him wash our feet. And then John, I like this one so much. He always is describing himself as the one who Jesus loves. So like Mr. Loved, maybe. Yeah, I like (laughs) that. And I just... I think that reading this chapter, I was seeing more about their personalities and I really do respect all of them for different reasons. But I just wanted to give us a challenge to see ourselves the way that John sees himself, because they're all obviously the disciples that Jesus loves. He says he loves them all but John's choosing to like see himself as loved. And even just the way that he writes this whole account of Jesus, I love that obviously it's in retrospect. Like he's looking back on Jesus's life to tell the story, but he has so much faith in Jesus and he's just like holding on to every word that he says. And so I just thought, you know, all of us can tend to be all different ways, but it'd be really cool if we all claimed like we're the one that Jesus loves. Mm. And because of that, like we can know our identity
1: I do feel like I see little bits of myself in all of them, like
0: me too. And
1: maybe that's what's so great about the disciples is like we are all of them. We all are similar to all of them, and we get to see how Jesus reacts and responds to those different sides of us.
0: Yeah, and like when we have doubts, we can bring them to God. Right. And when we're feeling like we want to be spiritual, so we can prove something, we bring that to God and like are honest with ourselves or when like we think we know better than God, we can bring that to him. And it's all part of our relationship with him. Right. Um, okay. So we're almost done with chapter 13. I just want to highlight two things really fast. Cause I think this is so important. So he says a new commandment I give to you. This is verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. But the thing is, that's not a new commandment. That is an old commandment. And so the word here that says new means like renewed. Like I'm, I'm making this new Hmm. because I don't want you to just love each other. Like the old commandments. I want you to love the way that I have loved you. So I think that that's really important. And I underlined that because that's something that I want to remember every day. Here's the last thing I'll say. Um, he's charging us with loving like he loved us. And I don't know about y'all, but that sounds hard slash impossible, but I love that he, and we talk about this later in verse 14. I think it leads into what Ana you're going to talk about too, but he knows we're human and that we might run out of love, but God's given us unlimited capacity for love through the Holy Spirit. And when we run out, he pours it back in. Mm -hmm. So I think that, The main thing that he's saying here is abide in me, which is something that we've been talking about again and again, is like, just stay, stay with me.
1: That actually like leads directly into chapter 14. Um, we're going to highlight two sections of this chapter. The whole chapter is really good. Um, so I encourage you guys again, go read it. It's, it's really, really good. But The first thing that Jesus says is he talks about where he's going. Um, And I'm going to just read it to us. It's chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Um, that's a pretty, I mean, honestly, we're getting into the part where we're going to say this is a pretty famous passage a lot because it all, it's, it's a lot of really important passages from Jesus. And this one specifically, it's that same feeling of like, my heart feels warm reading it of thinking about Jesus going and preparing a place for us. Thomas is like, how do we get there? We don't know where you're going. He's very literal thinking like, uh, you're telling us that we know where you're going, but I'm going to be honest. I don't know where you're going (laughs) or how to get there. Um, and Jesus is like, you, you're going to get there through me. Um, but I was listening to a sermon by Tim Keller, yay, the best. And he was talking about just the importance of humans and how we want a home. Like, we all want a place that feels safe and that feels like home. Um, That's like a a very natural human need and human desire. And so Jesus is saying like, I'm coming and I'm going to bring you home. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back to me. And for some reason that like has just really stood out to me of like, like I love, I love my home. I love Having like the comforts of my home, it feels cozy, it feels safe. Like, home is the place where you can be the most yourself. Yep. And your guards can come down. You don't have to, like, home is where you're in your PJ. You know, you're not like all dressed up and trying to impress people, like, you're just yourself. And, Jesus is saying that his father's house, there are many rooms, and we're all welcome there. And I don't know, I'm just like, I've been thinking about that image of being home in the Lord's house and being home with Jesus and like allowing that relationship with him to be our home. Yeah. Um, and it's not a place where we are dressed up or trying to impress him or trying to impress the people in our bible studies or in our churches like we're just ourselves i love that um i don't know that has like really i've been kind of chewing on that recently like what is a home and why is jesus saying he, he could have said so many different places you know like he could have said i'm bringing you into a city i'm bringing you here like i'm going here to prepare whatever but he's saying i'm going to my father's house and there are many rooms and i'm preparing a place for you Which is also so sweet, too, to think about, like, Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, like, specifically for you, whoever's listening to this, like, Jesus has prepared a place for you. It's personal, and it's just for you.
0: That's the thing I've been taking away from this the most, is just how unique each one of us are and like the, the role Mm -hmm. that we play in the big picture and just how much Jesus wants an individual relationship with us. Like we have such a special place Mm -hmm. in his home and we belong. And I don't know about y'all, but that's the one thing that I've always been, I've like always struggled to feel is like I truly like fit anywhere like I can I can make myself fit yeah, lots agree. of places, but like truly as I am, like who who loves me and accepts me the most and like when that answer for us is that we realize it's God, I think that we'll feel so much more secure in who we are An and I were talking about this before we started recording, but the truth is Jesus knows who he is and so he doesn't have to prove that he's Anything. He just, he doesn't have to seem big mm-hmm. and king like. He knows who he is and he comes and serves instead. And he brings peace and he brings mm-hmm. hope and he washes feet. And so I just want this to be a reminder to y'all too, because it has been for me and Anna. But when you know who you are, you don't have to prove who you are. And when we know that yeah. we're loved and belong with Jesus, then we're freed up to. Just belong with him and and love everyone wherever we go. I loved what Sims said in her devotional on Thursday last week, but it's not one specific grand purpose, but it's that everywhere you go, you take that belonging with you and that love with you and you just share it.
1: And like just thinking about how Jesus is saying he's going to prepare a place for us and then it's not our job to figure out how to get there. Right. Like, yeah. he's he, he says, I'm coming back and I'm going to bring you with me. And I think that that is really important for us to remember too, is like kind of what you were saying about serving from a place, knowing that our security and our identity is in Christ. I think I have a tendency to kind of like chameleon to the people around me and can sometimes be like really insecure. I feel like... Yeah we haven't really talked about that on our podcast and maybe you guys are like, well, they host a podcast. Like there's no way that they struggle with insecurity or with confidence, but like, especially in our move to Richmond, like I have found myself just trying to like be like, okay, what do do people need me to be? Like, I'll be that. And instead of being who the Lord has created me to be, which that's, like, what people really want. Like, the people that love you want you to be yourself and to be comfortable and to yeah. be who you are. And I love that Jesus is saying, like, your home is with me. And I'm going to go and I'm preparing this place for you. And it's special and it's just for you. But you don't have to find your way there. Like, you don't have to try on a different a bunch of different personalities to get there or work really hard. He's coming back and he's bringing us with him. He says... I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. And then, yeah, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That is the first part of 14 that I wanted to highlight. And then he continues to have a conversation with his disciples. I'm going to read the first part of this second section called Jesus Promises the Holy Spirit. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him.
0: I mean, that's amazing.
1: Essentially what Jesus is saying is, one, that God is going to provide a helper. The translation that I read says that I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And I think the NIV maybe says he will give you an advocate. Um, There's a lot of different translations of that one word. And part of the reason for that is in the original translation, the word that Jesus is describing there is so deep and there's so much meaning behind it. It's hard for us to put it into words in our English language. And Tim Keller said he was like my favorite translation of it is advocate, and here's why. When I hear the word advocate, I like to me it just seems very lawyery, like yeah, true, a lawyer is an advocate for somebody who's on trial. But when you think about that, like what Jesus is saying is, I'm sending somebody who is going to be with you, and he's going to fight for you, and he's going to care for you, and he's going to walk with you. An advocate doesn't like walk in front of a person and be like, come on, hurry up. Like they stand beside them and they represent them in the courtroom. And so Jesus is saying like, I'm sending somebody to be, to represent you, to be with you, to walk with you, to care for you. And I'm not leaving you alone. And it's cool too. He says, I'm giving you another helper. So that means like, who was the first helper? Right. Was Jesus. Like, Jesus is the first advocate for us. And then the Holy Spirit is the second one that gets sent. Yep. We're not on our own. You know, I think the world and honestly, like, the enemy wants to tell us over and over again, like, you're all alone. You're doing this by yourself. Nobody else understands. Nobody else is with you. You're crazy. Like, I know that that is, especially, yep. like, if I'm in... A season where I'm experiencing really bad anxiety I often hear like Anna you're crazy like and you're not like Jesus is yeah. saying you're not alone you're not on your own you're not crazy like I'm fighting for you I'm with you he literally says I'm not gonna leave you as orphan we're not on our
0: own yep I think another really loud voice is that if you're not important If you don't make Mm -hmm. yourself seem important or seem like you have value, then you're just going to be forgotten. I, I was thinking the other day about, you know, social media and why we care how many likes we get.
1: Yeah.
0: It's so funny because we all talk about how toxic social media can be to our peace, But we don't talk about why we want so many likes and why we want so many followers and like why it would feel good to have a following and be an influencer or something. And it's because we feel like there's acceptance in numbers. So like if there's a lot of people that are affirming us and saying, I like what you post or like, I think that you are pretty or I think that you are interesting or smart or that your outfit choices are on point, then like... I'll be loved. Like Jesus has a very countercultural message. He's saying, don't look to build up treasures here on earth because these things just go away, but instead love and serve one another. And instead, like, I'm going to send you this helper, counselor, advocate, to be with you and let you know that you are secure and safe and protected and accepted. And yeah. I love that it's so opposite from what the world tells us will build us up because it's an answer to the question of who's going to love me.
1: Yeah. So we, we want to leave this with y'all. It's kind of like a prayer um, or a blessing. I, I, have been reading about the importance of blessings and like what they mean for our own hearts just like pray a prayer of blessing over somebody and so we want to leave y'all with this verse it's chapter 14 verse 27 and it really does feel like a blessing just to pray over your own heart and your own life and to know that this is what Jesus is speaking over you today he says peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled and neither let you be afraid. And so we just want to leave y'all with that. Like Jesus is once, he doesn't want us to fear. He wants us to experience his peace and his love.
0: The more we know him, the more and more we're going to know that peace and yeah. be less and less afraid. Yeah. Thank you guys for studying John with Tune us. in. So. Hope you have a wonderful day. We're stopping in the middle of this conversation. So next week we're going to pick up and he's going to have some more amazing things to say. So make sure you tune back in for that next Sunday. And on Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to have more mini devotionals. So see ya. Bye. See ya.